begin reading in verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves Him who begot loves Him also who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments And His commandments are not burdensome or grievous. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world but He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege that we thank You for that we have access to Your Word. Not just at this service, but Lord, throughout the week that we can read Your Word, that we have so many study helps available, and, and yet most of all, the greatest help of all is the ministry of Your Spirit to guide us into truth. And I, I just ask today that... Um, Your Spirit would do the ministering here today. Lord, You alone know what's represented in each of our hearts, and You alone, for sure, are the only one that can meet those needs. And so, Lord, I acknowledge my helplessness, and I just avail my... ...that You would free us from anything that would distract from the ministry of Your Spirit... And Lord, that you would magnify your name through this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last summer, when uh, we took a little... I mean, as a family, various games. Um, I'm one, even when I'm ice skating, to go ice skating, just circle, go around and around. I mean, I don't get, we're turning the air on, so um, you can leave the window shut. So, I like playing games, doing stuff like that. So, we always take stuff along and play all kinds of different games. And invariably, way more often than not, there's other kids that are in the pool and they end up joining in. And so it ends up the whole pool about is playing various games, all right? And, um, but this last summer, uh, we, we were playing and I noticed that there's two kids over here and they're playing Marco Polo. Um, Everybody know what Marco Polo is? Um, So, Marco Polo is hard to play when there's only two people, all right? But this one kid was was really making it difficult for the other. I mean, one, one person closes his eyes and he's supposed to go around and find the other, and the other is supposed to say... Marco, or the guy, the guy with his eyes closed, says, Marco, and 
whenever he says that, they're supposed to say Como so he can hear and find out where they're at. Well, the one that was blinded was saying Marco, and whenever the other kid was kind of close, he'd never say Polo. He'd get out of the way, and, and I was watching that, and, and I started feeling sorry a little bit for the kid, because this was going on. When he's far away, he'd say Polo and, and everything, but when he was within reach, he wouldn't say anything, and he'd dive under the water, and and so they kind of came over by where I was, and the kid that's supposed to say Polo was over here, and the kid saying Marco, looking for him, was right here. And so he said Marco, and the other kid was within range, and he didn't say Polo. And I saw that. Uh, I'm going to help this kid out. <laughs> so it came around a little bit, and so I just grabbed the kid and... And when he said Marco and the other kid didn't say Polo, I just pushed him right over so he could reach into the kid. And, and the, the bully in this was not me. <laughs> and the kid opened his eyes and looked, and it was like, God, thank you, you know. And the other kid looked at me like, you know. Well, we were later playing, and... and, um, and then there were three of them, and they started, we had kind of a beach ball, kind of, and they were playing monkey in the middle, and this kid in the middle wasn't having any chance at all. I mean, they weren't even making it close. He couldn't even get this. And the one that, that was the bully the first time was the one on the other end, making sure the kid in the middle couldn't get it at all. I mean, it wasn't even close. So the ball came by me once, and I just batted it down to the kid in the middle. And, and it was a different kid than the other kid I helped, but he looked at me and smiled. And, you know, he thought that was pretty good. The next day we went to the pool, and the kid that I was interrupting his fun, you know, when we got to the pool, he said, There's that mean guy again! <laughs> I've been called a lot of things in my life. Not too often have I been called that mean guy, okay? So that is a family joke now that um, anytime I do anything, there's that mean guy again, you know? And, um, and so we laugh about it and enjoy it and, and have memories with that. But you know, our reputations don't matter. But God's reputation does that. And the great lie, one of the great lies that Satan purports, it attacks the nature of God. And in a similar way, the great lie is that God is mean. That serving God is a hard thing to do. That he is a hard taskmaster. Think back to the Garden of Eden. He got Adam and Eve to thinking, God is keeping something good from you. This is uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat this, you will be like God. And He is keeping something good away from you. And uh, the reference was, God gave you uh, a restriction to your own happiness. 
And God's commands are exactly that. They're a restriction to our personal happiness. And we as people many times buy into that. By nature, we buy into that. And we really believe that, that God is mean. Many believers and nearly all unbelievers believe that um, obedience to God robs us of enjoyment. That God is some master killjoy. That He doesn't want us to have joy and He places all these restrictions. And no, you can't do that. And you can't do that because that would give you unnecessary joy. And sad to say, as, as believers, um, we many times consider God's commands a burden. Maybe in the sense of, oh man, uh, another thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, the commandments of God in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, He said the commandments of God are not grievous or they are not burdensome. Now think of it. John has been telling us, if you, we saw last week, he said, if you say you love God and don't love your brother, he said, you are a liar. And now he's going into chapter 5 and, and he kind of reverses it. He says, we know we love the children of God. We know we love our brother when we love God and keep His commandments. So, earlier said, you say you love God and don't love your brother, you're a liar. He says, you know you love your brother when you love God and keep His commandments. So here he's, he's dealing with this um, aspect of love does not just mean approving anything and everything. You know you love your brother when you love God and you keep his commandments. And then he adds this that we specifically want to look at today. And his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not a burden. They're not a weight. Oh, great. Now what's this new command? So the same issues that we deal with were the same issues that, that John was dealing with here. And, and he understood that it needed to be dealt with. Why do we consider God's commands a burden? Well, as we consider God's commands a burden because we believe... God may be cheating us out of something. Um, he gives us this command, and as we already alluded to in the Garden of Eden, God may be holding something back from me. He's cheating me out of something. We may believe God is not fair. That this just isn't fair. Um, that they have this, and I don't have that, and... Um, God has given me a command. David said, Why do the wicked prosper, Lord? Here I am trying to obey you and, and I'm struggling along here. Why is this going on? And, and it's easy to think that um, God's commands may not be fair or His dealings or that God's standard is too hard. 
I mean, you read through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's continually saying, this is what the law said, but I say unto you, and he, he raises the standard over and over again. And it's e- it would be easy to look at that and say, my goodness, God's standard is too high. I mean, who can live up to that? And so we believe that God's commands are a burden. We consider God's commands a burden also because we just love our sin. Our heart, our natural heart, loves our sin. And we are committed to our way. And we consider God's command a burden also because we want to be God. We want to be the one in control and we want to dictate our life. And His commands, that's putting a a conflict of interest here. I want to rule my life and someone else is giving me a command. Okay, It's a power struggle here. Who is going to rule my life? Oh, man. Okay, enough commands already, Lord. You've given enough. Now, can I just run things here? The bottom line is we want to be our own God. We want to be in control. We want to run our own lives. And so, we think any if you please demand or command that He makes, it's like an intrusion on our Godhead. We don't think of it in that terms, but we're the one that's in control. And a command is limiting my area of control. It's squeezing me in. But John said, God's commands are not a burden. We, we live in a day where even in Christianity, it's, it's, um, we don't like to talk about the commands of God. We like to talk about the grace of God in the sense that grace means you can do whatever you want. That's not the grace that God is talking about. That's a, a cheap grace that... that is a license to sin. And we live, and that appeals to our flesh. But when you understand the commands of God, God's commands are not a burden. First of all, every command of God is given in love. It is given with our best interest in mind. Many of you can relate to this. Many of you grew up with parents that dearly loved you and cared for you. And you remember as a kid them saying to you when they disciplined you, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you said, yeah, right. And they said to you, I'm doing this because I love you. And you said, I don't see any. I mean, you didn't say that. I really believe past generations 
um, had some some sense. You may think we didn't have any, but we we knew enough that. I was thinking these things, yeah, right, you love me, you don't love me. I did not utter one word of that. Or I would have found out how much she or he did love me. And to think, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I thought, it isn't even hurting you. I'm the one that's going to have a warm hind in here in a little bit. How is this? Your arm isn't sore from doing this. And then I remember when it came my turn to discipline my children and, and yeah, the hurt that is in the heart because you love them and you want what is best for them. And every command that God gives, why do you tell, um, why do you tell them, do not stick anything in the outlet here? Because you are a mean, hard taskmaster and you want to make rules for them. No! You don't want them lit up. You don't want them injured. What they have going on there. <laughs> so, Every command of God is given in love, and every command of God is for our good. Honestly, if, if we as parents are genuinely honest, there's some commands that we give that we give it because it's for our good as a parent. It'll make it a little easier for us. Every command that God gives has, never has any selfish interest in it at all. Every command that He gives is for our good. It's given in love. Every command is a reflection of His character. And His character is perfect. As we, we mentioned, the restrictions that a, a loving parent um, puts on his, his children... To tell them, stay away from a busy street. It's not done to take away the fun. It's because he loves him and wants to protect his son or daughter from injury and death. An immature child will think that the father, the parent's command is restrictive and hateful and just trying to rob me of the joy. But every command of God is given in love, meaning it is done with our best interest in mind. They are commands of God who is perfect, who is perfect love and perfect truth and perfect mercy and perfect grace. They are not the commands of man because man's commands can get out of hand. But God's commands are perfect in love. Can you imagine how life would be if we actually followed His commands? I mean, as I was thinking about this, I just thought, there'd be no lawyers. I'm sorry if you're a lawyer here today. 
but that'd be a good thing if there's no lawyers. There'd be no disputes. I mean, seriously. If, if we really follow God's... If we as mankind follow God's commands, there would be zero sexually transmitted diseases. We spend millions and billions to educate people on how to have safe sex. No. God gave commands. And why did He do this? To prevent us from some sense of enjoyment? You call um, lack of trust, you call sexually transmitted diseases, you call abortion, you call those things that everybody should experience and, and that everyone should have? No. Every command of God is given to protect us. And John is saying they are not burdensome. They are a blessing. In Ephesians, in Jeremiah, throughout the Scripture, he said, these are the commands that I give you. In Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you follow my ways, he said, and he gives a, a whole chapter of blessings that he will give. And then he says, if you don't follow my ways, these are the judgments that I will bring. So his commands are something that's to trying to move us into finer pastures. He's trying to get us to, to where we will be blessed. Yes, it's restrictive. Restrictive into the fine pastures that he has for us. God's commands are not a burden. And someday we will clearly see the goodness of each command. You know, one of the things about heaven, we'll be able to see fully all the goodness that God intended for each command that He gave to us. And we'll be able to see, wow, it's, it's just like as, as a kid you think your, your parents are being mean and restrictive and, and they're just looking for ways to make your life miserable. Let me tell you, young people... Your parents are thinking you're looking for ways to make their life miserable too, okay? But when you become a parent, then you begin to understand. And someday when we know God, we're going to understand all the goodness. I see why you did that. We can see dimly now, but someday we'll see face to face. God's commands are not a burden because we are partnering with Christ and that makes the load light. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Notice verse 28. Jesus is speaking and He says, Come unto Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice what he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We said we want to be our own boss. We want to be our own God. We don't want to yoke up with God. Because we want to be the lead oxen, if you please. We want to do our own thing. And, and we look and we think, this is the path God wants me to go. And we try it on our own and we fail miserably. But he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, take God's yoke, and yoke up with him. And he said, you will find my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Why? Because we have, if you please, the horsepower of Almighty God empowering us to keep the commands of God. In and of myself, I don't have it. But I hook up to this, and I have all the power of God. And He gives us His power so that it's not like this is in... An unbearable command. This is a, a command that there is no way that I can keep it. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. If, if we say, okay God, I, I want to follow you, I want to obey your commands, and God says, okay, this is what we're going to do. God, I can't do that. I know you can't do it, God says but you are yoked up with me. And that's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then it's like, John is writing and John is one who is yoked up with God and John is one who has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos and John is one that was exiled there because he was put in a boiling cauldron of oil and it didn't kill him. He was put in that because he was a follower of Jesus Christ and he would not deny Jesus Christ. And he's writing to these believers and he says to them, God's commands are not grievous. Look what he's been through. He's seen other disciples um, crucified and, and martyred. And he says his commands aren't grievous. How did John get through this? He knew he was yoked up with God. And he knew where his strength came from. He had a, a new nature. God gives grace for every task, every calling, every burden. There's days that you face things in your own individual life, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, your work, in your life, that you think, I cannot bear this anymore, and yet God is asking me to forgive, or God is asking me to overcome evil with good, or God is asking me to pray for them, and I don't feel like praying for them, or God is asking me to go seek forgiveness, and I don't want to do that. You're right, we don't want to do it. But God, you're the lead in this, and I am yoked up to you, and when we submit to Him, he empowers us to do it. When we embrace that surrender to Him, we're partnering with Christ and that makes the load light. He gives grace for every task. 
God's commands are not a burden because they're given in love. And someday we'll clearly see that. They're not a burden because we are partnering with Christ. And they're not a burden because our new life truly enjoys the things of God. We are a follower of Christ. And John says, if you are a follower of Christ, you will love your brothers, you will love God, and you will keep His commandments. Why? I want to please God. After all He's done for me, I want to please Him. And I now have new life and my spiritual life, my new life, enjoys the things of God. The psalmist said, The blessed man does not walk in the same ways he used to walk, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, 174 of those verses speak about the law of God, the statutes of God, the precept of God. And, and the psalmist is saying, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. I, I was thinking this morning when, when um, I first started pastoring at Clio, we were not married. I went there in October and we got married in December. And this was back in the days when Pony Express delivered mail in Wyoming. And... And so we would write letters to each other. I, I was thinking about this this morning. I thought people don't, people can't even relate to that. But bear with this ancient testimony, okay? So can you imagine if Marilyn wrote me a letter on Monday and it came on Friday and I talked to her, we'd call each other on weekends. How many of you can relate to that stuff right there? I mean, it costs money to make a long-distance call. You could, and you had to time how long you were on there and all of that, okay? Yes, I'm an old man. <laughs> but can you imagine? Let's say she wrote me letters, and I got them on Friday and Saturday, and I talked to her on Sunday, and, and she, she asked me something about a letter, and I said... Oh, I haven't even opened it yet. No, that was a love letter. Oh, man, I'm going to get married. Now I've got to read letters. I've got enough going on. I'm brand new in this stuff. And now I've got, oh, this is a burden to me. No, it's not a burden. When there's love, it's not a burden. And if God's commands are a burden to us, you better check what you love. It isn't a burden. It wasn't a burden for me to sit down and write letters. That was motivated by love. So if you say, I never, oh, I haven't had a chance to look at your text messages. No, that wouldn't work, would it? And God's commands are not burdensome for us. Because we love Him. And we love His family. To God's people, God's commands aren't grievous. They're they're expressions of His love. 
they delight in the law of the Lord. They only wish they could, we only wish we could more perfectly conform to His law. And we, we have a longing for that. To love Him with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those aren't grievous, burdensome things. Because it's not a burden when it's imposed by love. The old proverb explains the meaning of what the Apostle is saying. Love feels no loads. The story is told of, of uh, two boys. And one boy was, for some reason, crippled. And day after day, his older brother would put him on his back and carry him to school. Day after day. And, and as they grew, of course, the, the load became heavier. And, and one day, a, a classmate said to him, Doesn't he get heavy carrying him? And he said, No, he's my brother. It wasn't burdensome. He loved his brother. And it was a delight for him to carry this because it was motivated by love. And and in understanding, we know that we love the children of God when we keep His commandments and don't experience the commandments as burdensome. In other words... The test of our genuineness of our love for others is whether or not you let the commands of God govern your relationship with them. You understand that? The real test, whether I love this person or not, is when I delight in the commands of God and I let them govern how I respond to them. They weren't very nice to me, but God's commands that I overcome evil with good, so that's what I'm going to do. I don't feel like going tonight, but God commands to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I love God. I want to do whatever He wants. It's love that motivates. And the commands are not grievous. We allow the commands of God to govern our relationship and whether those commands are burdensome or a blessing is up to us. It's in vain to pretend to love God while we live in opposition to His will. Do you understand? I love God, but I'm not going to obey Him. I mean... How do you put those two together? But day after day after day, we do that. I love God, but no, I'm not going to obey Him. And what John is saying, proof that you love your brother is you love God and you keep His commands. You can't say, I love God, I don't love your commands, and I love some of you, but not some of the others. John's saying, no. I love God, but I will not obey you. I love God, but I don't love your family. And John is saying, maybe we don't love God. 
See, he, he links together three things here. Love for God is expressed by obedience to his commands. With a spirit that does not act like it's burdensome. Oh boy, I've got to do this. No, it's, it's a joy and a delight. And the basis of this unbegrudging obedience is the power of the new birth. Because I am a new creation, man, I want to obey God. And that power living within us, we'll go on and look in the future weeks, is the power that defeats the world that is always trying to draw us back into our own ways. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We'll be looking at that in future weeks. But do you understand? My love for God is expressed in obedience to His commandments that delights in it. It counts it a blessing to obey Him. And that um, joyful obedience is the result of the power of the new birth. If I don't have that, I may need to check, am I, do I really have spiritual life? And it's that new birth that gives the, the power of God to break the power of sin in our life, and it makes God's will beautiful, not burdensome, because of our faith. It is a delight to do God's will. And someday we will find the fullness of that. But by, but now, by faith, say, God, I trust you that this command that I may not really like or I may not understand, I believe it is given in love. It is given for my good and for your glory. So I joyfully obey. Heavenly Father, I pray that even today there would be steps of obedience taken as a result of your ministry in our lives. Lord, perhaps there's someone that needs to yoke up with you. They, they've been trying to run their own life and, and maybe trying to do what is right, but they don't have the power. Lord, I pray today that they would come to you for forgiveness, for new life in you, and that they could know the joy of your power at work in our life. Lord, I pray for we as believers that we truly would love you by loving your commandments, and that we would joyfully embrace a surrender to you it allows you truly to be the God of our lives. Lord, would you make personal in each of our lives areas where we are not obedient to you? Where we are not joyfully obedient? And Lord, I pray that we would joyfully embrace your commands because they are not a burden, but a great, great blessing. Thank you that you love us enough to tell us how we can know your blessing and that there are no regrets in obeying you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.